better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everyone and welcome to the Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart science. My name is Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. And my name is Michael Pace. And those of you who have listened to us before know exactly what's about to happen, and that's that we, we three highly intelligent, very good looking, and misunderstood boys are going to talk about a movie and about the science that lies within. That is true, Ken, and this week we are talking about the science in the movie Equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Which was a surprisingly good film based upon every other film that we've watched on this show. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Wait, that's not what we do here, Pace. You're supposed to do the disclaimers. Oh, sorry. There are some disclaimers that you should know about as a member of the audience. Mm-hmm. And the things that you should know are that we, as Kenan mentioned, three highly intelligent scientists with PhDs. Sure. <laughs> no one uh, saw you do those, those yeah, quotations. Yeah, no one saw those air quotes, face. <laughs> They heard it in my voice. Um, <laughs> we three scientists are going to attempt to talk to you about the nitty-gritty details of the science that was present in the movie Equilibrium. Uh, and while doing that, we are going to use some uh, profanity uh, that you wouldn't hear uh, on your Sunday morning television. Poop. Uh, so you should take your, your children and put them in their cribs where they belong. Uh, and make sure they have enough adequate air supply and water and food pellets mm-hmm. uh, to get through the evening and the recording of this episode. <laughs> I don't know if a crib is like a closed no, environment. It's same. No, it's the same. Just let him keep going. It's the same. Just keep going. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, that's it. That's that's all I really have to say. I think that I think that that's all you need to know if you want to enjoy our program. Well, thanks, Pace. Excellent disclaimers, as always. Mm. You've done well. I thought so. I agree. Yeah, so how are you feeling, boys? We watched Equilibrium. Does uh, somebody want to sum that movie up? Uh, yeah. So let's roll our fucking dice, Pace. Yeah, let's do I see this. You looking around your desk, trying to find that thing. I got it. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, Pace. Oh, I have two. I have, oh shit! I have I want to roll uh, two. I have advantage. I, yeah, roll with disadvantage. Oh no, it's advantage. Can I come on? <laughs> um, All right, we're gonna roll a d twenty and see who does the plot. Go for it. Oh fuck. What'd you get? What'd you get, Sean? Well, I got a 15. I got a 19. Damn! <laughs> I thought that I was royally fucked. Uh, yeah. Wow, okay. Wow, go, go figures that the uh, the the one time that you and I aren't rolling, Sean, you roll the worst number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's so weird how that happened. Weird how that happens, listeners. Very yeah. strange. So weird. So, Sean... Uh, please give us an adequate summary of what happened in this great movie, Equilibrium. When he says adequate, he means adequate. Yeah, like don't fuck it. Don't, don't like, don't lowball me. Here. Yeah, don't fuck Sean. us on this, Sean. Okay, Jesus. All right. So first, let me start by saying that Equilibrium yes. came out in <laughs> 2002. <laughs> Sounds like a fucking book report you're reading to the class. <laughs> because I couldn't find it. I was looking on the fucking website. Lord of the Flies the- is a commentary on the faults of man. <laughs> Equilibrium was released in the year 2002, the year of our Lord. 
Um, okay. Die Valor. So it's starring uh, Christian Bale, True. Emily Watson, and True. Tay Diggs. Those are the people credited on the post. Sean Bean. You can't fucking forget Sean Bean. How could I have been so obtuse? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't imagine how you could have been so obtuse. Uh, you can't just say the same joke over again. Do you think that? Um, do you think that Sean Bean enjoyed his his long lived uh, role in this film? I'm. He has a track record of surviving for a long time yeah. in movies that he. I takes was going to say in. I'm like fairly certain that sh- when Sean Bean signs a contract, he says I have to die in the first like ten percent of whatever this is. <laughs> he probably <Yes>. took like. <laughs> he's probably when he was learning how to be an actor just always fucking crushed the death scenes yeah, yeah, yeah and he, yeah. they were just like number one in the class again sean bean he's so good at just like tugging on our heartstrings and dying and so he was like i'm gonna have to use this when i'm going into movies when i'm going to film <laughs> i have to do this yeah so basically to get into the plot so that i'll bring the audience into the fold here on this joke christian bale mm-hmm. uh the movie is set okay sorry the movie is set in like a dysutopian society where everybody in the world takes this mood suppressant called prosium and it is supposed to remove all of emotions from humans and the reason everyone takes this is because the body the governing body claims that this prevents uh war and violence in humans Mm -hmm. and it is like one of the it's like the number one golden rule in their society and if you don't uh, take your mood suppressants, then you are killed. That's basically what happens. You're you're sent to the incinerator, and they burn you, which is pretty barbaric. So they have an elite force of clerics, which because it's sort of got this weird like religious undertone, um, which our main character, what's his name in the movie? Christian Bale. No, no, not the oh, actor. Preston. Um, Preston. 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 John Preston. Pre- Pre- John Preston, played by Christian Bale. Uh, he is one of the top clerics. So his job is to hunt down people who are not taking their mood suppression and their feeling, and then he either murders them or arrests them. And in the beginning of the movie, his partner is played by Sean Bean. I don't know his character's name because he's not around for long, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the movie starts with a raid on like a, I don't know, underground group of end of rebels or something who have like acquired a bunch of like classical pieces of art and music, which sure. all of these are also completely outlawed because they are meant to invoke emotions in humans. Contraband. So, yeah. So there's no art. There's no music. There's no nothing that people like in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and... They come in and fucking wreck house and kill all these people. And basically, after this, uh, Christian Bale starts to suspect that his partner, Sean Bean, is actually feeling emotions. Mm-hmm. They they call these people sense offenders. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's a sense offender. Um, and he basically finds his partner reading like a book or poems or something and they have some long drawn out thing like you knew the whole time didn't you and he's like god damn it don't do this and then they <laughs> he fucking kills sean bean because he won't put his so book dramatic. down or something he was reading a book by william butler yeats what's wrong with you i don't remember dude <laughs> jesus what am i'm not a sense offender like you canon i That's don't know point. how to read i'm a fencer offense 
I've had so, but the whole point of this is just to show that like their law is absolute, and that uh, Christian Bale is like fucking ruthless in his job. Um, mm-hmm. For those of you that actually fucking watched Repo Man, it's kind of like a better version of that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah it kind of is. And so the plot, like, I'm gonna just go a quick summary for the next like five minutes about what the actual plot is. But basically, Christian Bale, after his he kills his friend starts sort of like wondering like why would he do something like this when he knows it's illegal like what is the allure of this and he starts getting curious and he decides to not take one of his mood suppressors and then the whole rest of the movie he's portrayed like every cinematographically everything is brighter (laughs) (laughs) sorry it was just a very good word (laughs) after i said it i was like fuck that's not a word i'm just gonna keep going (laughs) and you just Cinematography? (laughs) Cinematography. Cinematography. I'm a scientist, not a film buff. (laughs) I only do a podcast on movies every other week for over a year and a half. Sorry, keep going. Cinematography. Wow, it's just as good. everything is portrayed as like being more vibrant and Christian Bale starts being like, Oh shit. Like I get why people want to feel this is really great feeling emotions, but he has to hide it the whole time or he will be arrested and killed. And this is extremely problematic because he is like one of the top people whose job it is to enforce a sense of, um, and kill these rules. Oh my God. Enforce these rules and kill people. Um, so basically the whole rest of the movie is him like getting in touch with his emotions. He meets like a female sense offender who he like has the hots for and he feels really bad that she's going to be killed because he helped arrest her and he uh, gets in touch with the underground society of rebels and basically makes an agreement with them that he is going to go assassinate the leader of their society, which they call him Father, right? I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of allegories to Catholicism in here. It's very yeah, much like, like a lot of... Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it's weirdly a lot of allegories to both Catholicism and communism, yeah, I feel like. I, mm-hmm. Well, I, we can we can get into it, but I think it's like... The the intent is to, lot, to have a lot of allegories to any sort of autocratic type of... Yeah. Right, yeah. sure. And basically the entire time while Christian Bale is trying to like on the surface hide that he's feeling emotions and also like investigate, uh, pretend that he's investigating the underground and try and find a way to kill father. His new partner after Sean Bean dies is played by Tay Diggs and Tay Diggs is sort of suspicious of Christian Bale the entire time Mm -hmm. and like keeping a close eye on him. Um, and essentially this is most of the movie. It's just like the suspense of him trying to not get caught and investigating this. And until we get to the end of the movie where Christian Bale frames the, the, uh, organization father starts getting suspicious that Christian Bale is that there's like a sense offender as one of the clerics and Christian Bale basically to throw the scent off of himself ends up framing Tay Diggs. And then uh, gets confronted by the guy who's supposed to be, like, the spokesperson of Father. Mm-hmm. And tells him, like, I'm actually Father the whole time. Like, we created this whole society. Like, you can try and fuck me up, but I'm going to sick all my goons on you. And, of course, Christian Bale being, like, the world's best gun kata fighter 
just murders everybody in his way and then just kills the leader of their government and then the movie ends. So yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's basically uh, that's the movie, right? Yeah, pretty much. I feel yeah. like that's enough, like a long and short of it. Like it's you know, watch it. No, it is. So I mean, the the, the primary aspect of any sort of scientific relevance is of of this film is is what does it how they portray and what does it look like whenever you take and build a society of human beings under the presumption that it's illegal to feel emotion. I, I think there's a lot of commentary that's like inherent within whether intentional or not uh, about the fact that there is a power structure that has been built and the assumption that you can do that kind of thing without the inherent injection of emotion while also throughout the movie it being very obvious that everyone who's in charge of literally anything is definitely still exhibiting emotions is like kind of a theme throughout the entire movie yeah at first when i was watching it i was like well these guys are doing a really bad job of acting emotionless <laughs> yeah 100 like, yeah oh okay i think this is intentional obviously yeah. because they're think, the leadership so i think that that tay diggs was probably one of the worst um <laughs> the worst sense offenders who wasn't actually supposed to be a sense offender yeah, yeah. i yeah. would say his partner um because even the very sort of like uh, I feel like even the aspect of having suspicion towards something uh, or to suspect foul play or wrongdoing is to a certain degree an emotional experience in and of itself, I would say. Um, yeah, so sure. that part was a little, a little strange to me. I agree with that too, because I think like a lot of these sort of criticisms that they imply or the types of assessments that, these people have to make require the injection of personal bias. Like it's one of those things where you can't say, okay, I have, I have the information regarding every scenario ever. And so like the type of like investigation that these people have to do requires you to be suspicious or fearful or, you know, angry or any sort of thing. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's, I guess we should just get into this first because that's the main thing with this movie is like, they're supposed to be completely emotionally suppressed, but like, I don't think it's actually reasonable for people to be behaving in any sort of normal aspect and not have access to any of their emotions, you know? Yeah, I agree. Like, I think that the ability to feel is too intertwined with your motivations and like your livelihood. Like, you can't really separate the two. Right. Like yeah, the, the I agree. emotions and are not specifically a human experience. Like they are like a I mean there are definitely like behaviors and like you could like animals can be afraid and stuff, you know. Like it's not necessarily something that's just specific to humans. It's like an evolutionary thing that most animals are dealing with. Sure. I I mean we've talked about emotions on the show before, right? Like we did um what was the movie? Um Mm. Inside Out. We did Inside Out, right? We talked about like the emotional spectrum and and uh, right. how mm-hmm. complicated like the actual the the accepted definitions within the field of psychology or otherwise are, and that you know okay, there's five basic emotions, but there's also this idea that there's things that are in between, and there's often things that you don't really think of as emotions, but you can make an argument that they're a combination of a couple of them, and you know some of those lie in with suspicion, and so I think. You know, coming back to it again, like a lot of what we see, especially Tay Diggs's character exhibiting, is like very key uh, jealousy, personal personal bias, suspicion. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Get, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and I, I think I think that a lot of that is is strange in that 
especially for Tay Diggs' character, we see him reading Preston. Yeah. Like he's he is looking at him and he is getting signals off of simply the way that he is acting from a visual standpoint. And this would actually be impossible if he was under full mood suppression because portion of the brain that's responsible for interpreting body language is the amygdala. And the amygdala is the primary center of the brain that induces emotional connection, right? And so there are so many things, even like subtle things like reading body language you don't think about, mm-hmm. right, that are dependent upon emotion centers in your brain right? that you would, you would, they would have to be functioning properly to be able to do. And there's so much of things like that that happens in this film that, of just normal human behavior that we take for granted that involve emotion. Yeah. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Like, it's very much that, like, I think that you could suppress people's erratic behavior or extreme behavior and still have, like, a realistic level of emotion left to function normally and have normal human, you know, quote, normal human behavior. But I think the level in the movie that they're proposing is just, like, not actually possible based on what the actors are doing. Like, there's just no way you could have be totally emotionally suppressed and still do stuff, like get information from people. I mean, I think like one of the biggest things that we can, we can talk about here is that like a lot of the characters exhibit a basic definition of empathy, right? So mm. empathy is divided into, you know, a couple of major components and there's things like effective empathy, which you can call emotional empathy, right? Where you're able to like respond with an appropriate emotion to another, uh, another's mental state, but also there's cognitive empathy, which is a capacity to understand another person's perspective. So one of the things that, uh, uh, Tetragrammaton, uh, or Cleric Preston says like early on is that he's able to understand how someone who is feeling thinks, which the uh, the father character, like the the figurehead character that's in this movie, kind of like digs into, played by Angus McFadden. He he's like, what do you like? How did you miss that? Like, if you can understand it, how did you miss it? And if you did, if you didn't miss it, like, were you feeling? Um, and it's one right. of those things that right. they kind of skirt around, and I don't know if it's intentional, but like that type of thing, that idea of like mentalizing what another person is thinking is inherent to empathy. Which means you need to be able to, in order to understand what a person is feeling, you need to understand the capacity to feel that yourself. They're just so intertwined. Yeah. Sean, you mentioned earlier the idea of being able to use these sort of mood suppressors to um, combat like like erratic behavior, right? Um, Yeah, I feel like that would be more realistic, right? Like erratic behavior or like extreme behaviors or something like that. But... Yeah, not but you know less right. so. And, that, they and do I think that's a good movie. point to make because that's that's definitely I think the most uh, directly translatable aspect of this movie into you know real life from what we experience every day because there are obviously you know mental health disorders like bipolar disorder which are exactly what you talk about which is it's it, people experience two types of emotional states the sort of manic or high mm-hmm. and and depressive and low states. Uh, which you try to, which are not considered normal human behavior, at least not in the context of the way like bipolar patients, patients with bipolar disorder experience them. There are types of drugs. We, we call them like mood suppressors in, in the movie, right? Because these are people, these are regular human beings that don't need to have their emotions suppressed, but they are right. Whereas a, a patient with bipolar disorder does need to have their emotions 
altered in order to just function like a regular human. Right. Right. And therefore, right. in the medical field, at least within the field of psychiatry, these are referred to as mood stabilizing drugs and not mood suppressing drugs because yeah, it sounds a lot less like totalitarian. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, you're just trying to, you're trying to get back to homeostasis, right? You're trying to get back to a balance of, of, of emotional behavior and emotional experience uh, that is, that is considered quote unquote normal for a human being. Um, the, the thing like, and there are, you know, some types of these drugs that, that, that do exist. There's about, I think there's like a four or five, um, that, uh, that are used to like treat bipolar disorder. And this includes things, uh, like lithium, uh, and a range hmm. of anticonvulsants. Some of them are like better for treating the, like the manic aspects of bipolar disorder. Some are better for treating the depression. Um, and they have a wide range of, of, of nasty side effects, like nausea, tremors, uh, sexual problems and dysfunction, weight gain, kidney damage, diarrhea. It's, it's, a, it's, it's pretty gross, not gross. It's just, it's just unfortunate. Uh, so I, I, w- I was thinking about this in the context of the movie and I was like, what if we took a bunch of people, right? That didn't need to be on these types of drugs, which they are apparently getting right. And gave them to yeah. them. I, I right, don't right. think that would lead Hmm. to the effect we see in the film i think yeah. they would probably just get a bunch of these side effects or or the, yeah. like and, and like they would just be sedated likely or fall asleep a lot there's actually a publication that came out in 1979 in the international farm oh my god i can't <laughs> pharmacopsychiatry you did it fuck you fucking did it jesus <laughs> but I didn't read the whole paper, full disclosure. Well, this is just okay. in the abstract. <laughs> but it's called Lithium Effects on Normal Subjects, Relationships to Plasma and Red Blood Cell Lithium Levels. So they're basically like looking at the levels of lithium in their system and seeing like in normal patients what happens. And apparently, so this is only like 10 subjects. It's not a lot of people. Right. But basically, most of the people had dysphoric mood changes and slowing of their motor skills. So, like, mm-hmm. they were just not as animated when they were speaking, and a lot of them felt depressed. <laughs> and that's what happens. Yeah. Which makes sense, honestly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That makes sense. But, so, giving it to normal people would cause more... It, it's interesting, because it doesn't, you know, lithium doesn't remove emotions. It just can change your emotions or regulate them yeah. so giving it to normal people isn't necessarily going to take away their emotions it's just going to like make them depressed right I, I think like a lot of what is what it's ascribed to is this idea of like mood leveling to where instead of you having you know really really low lows and really really high highs you're kind of the middle distance which is why a lot of these things like patients when taking them will report this kind of like zombification feeling right um yeah so for a really long time, uh, well, I say really long time, but a couple months, I was on Bupropion, and one of the things that is like very inherent to it, and that I also felt, is this idea of just kind of like being bleh, like you're very just kind of, I don't know, within that middle distance, and you don't feel connected to many things, and it's you're just like floating along. Yeah, exactly. And it's this idea yeah. that like you've suppressed the the low lows and the high highs in order to try and like you know, bring yourself to this level area. So, I mean, realistically speaking, this, this speaks a lot to what against what went on in the movie, right? Like you wouldn't have the type of reactivity that these people have to any of these things because it's just kind of like, okay, well, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You would just be like 
Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, like, it's funny because when they show scenes of just, like, the unwashed masses in the movie, they do look like that, but all of the actual main characters don't at all. So. Yeah, well, so yeah. I, you, you bring up this point, but, like, in one of the beginning moments of the movie, they have this, uh, the, the demagogue that they've ascribed to as their leader, um, a father, right, that they have all of these digital representations of. He mm-hmm. is giving a speech in front of a bunch of people sitting on benches. And at the end, he's like, we in Libria are victorious. And everyone stands up at the same time and starts applauding, which would imply that they were inspired and like excited about whatever's yep. happening in front yep. of them, which is an emotional right. response. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's um, a couple other things I wanted to mention about actual science in the Do film that, this is why we have a psychologist on the show yeah, right? i don't know that's, what we were gonna do without why. an anthropologist in order to yeah do this. i mean me either <laughs> the they refer to prosium well they, they refer to it as a lot of things but like as your dose and whatever but they also refer to it at the beginning of the film that it's it's the opiate that is the glue of our society mm. right mm-hmm. and i want to point out that it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for prosium to be an opiate um, because the primary function of an opiate is to basically uh, inhibit pain pathways, uh, like physical pain, uh, in in the central nervous system. Um, so it's I, I think that's just a, a grossly inaccurate description of the type mm. of drug that these people are getting. Uh, and then it would have been they, they could have just thought of something better, I think, uh, to describe it with. And then one other quick thing I wanted to mention was that uh, there, if, if you recall, like I think about two thirds of the way through the movie, they were using polygraphs in order to, uh, this is a, a moment where I applauded the film actually, because uh, they were using polygraphs to, to uh, detect quote unquote fluctuations in the human emotion. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's a much, much more accurate description than what it's referred to in a lot of like forensic science uh, media, which is as a lie detector, right? Because a lie detector right. is a very and highly inaccurate description of a polygraph. A polygraph just detects like the biological correlates of, of lying, like the increased heart rate uh, and, and, and things like that, which might be, yes, be more go along with, with emotion or fear, you know, maybe in this case, uh, or nervousness, um, but not lying. So I, I thought that was actually a good moment in the movie scientifically where they mentioned that. Yeah. I, I do want to comment pace. I believe when they're saying like, I believe they're referencing the phrase, like the opiate of the masses, which is more like a, not actually about something derived from opium. Yeah. But, it's, but at so, the same time, let, let me read you the definition. here. Okay. Something regarded as inducing a false and unrealistic sense of contentment among people. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's exactly accurate in the movie, but I'm saying I think they're trying to just say it's more of like a, like, uh, like the fucking golden ticket for everybody, you know? So you're you're referring to to opiate as sort of a, uh, like a buzz term or almost like a, um, yeah. uh, Go ahead, Ken. Well, so what I was going to say is I actually, like, I think, both things are uh, provided interesting discussion because like the original quote, like you said, this is a direct quotation from Karl Marx, right? So it's the idea is that it's uh, Marx refers it to as like something that's supposed to be from what I remember, something to be like 
established upon the people in order to keep them subjugated. Um, And I think here it's supposed to be used ironically, but also a lot of what Pace was saying is, is still like, is still directly relevant to that quotation, even by Karl Marx too, because that's, it's a misappropriation in this case in which they're using a quotation ironically because right, it right. literally is an opiate of the masses, but also it's not because opium does different shit. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, yes. Yeah. So yes. No, I get your, I Good get point. your point though, Sean, because you're, you're referring to it in the, the broader context of which the sort of like uh, the adage of, of the opiate of the masses, yeah, which like, right? I mean, you're right. It's nothing like opium. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to point that out. I, I will say, though, you bring up a really good discussion that we don't have to spend too much time on because it's not scientifically related, but it's more historically related. But he refers to it as a couple of different things. Like you mentioned glue and opiates. He also refers to it as the nepenthe of their society, which I thought was interesting because this word comes from Homer's Odyssey. Uh, and it describes a drug capable of banishing uh, pathos from a person's mind. So to, in order to bring that person like reprieve and forgetfulness from the uh, harmful things that have happened uh, in their life. And there's this like, there's this theme in this movie about taking drugs and technology and using it as an extension, an extension of the government's grip over society mm. in order mm-hmm. to like this idea. Okay. We, we believe in technology Drugs drugs have been bad in the past, but the drugs ascribed by our government are fine and you should be taking them. And like we where they're saying very visibly we're keeping you sedated, but it's a good thing. Yeah. And saying like these things are bad, but when we're doing it, it's fine. Yeah. Yes. That is basically that is exactly what this movie is like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it makes me wonder what the process was in the initiation of this sort of um, sedation of society. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it would pro- it's probably a violent one. I would imagine uh, to to where only certain people were willing to actually enter into this uh, this 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 regimen this this drug regimen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of that's just it's just an in, in, interesting side thought as to what that would have been like. I mean, like we'll it's like anything else. E- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say we need to wait till Equilibrium zero point five comes out. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, sure. It's only been nineteen like seventeen years since the movie. Right. Came out. I'm sure it's right. Equilibrium around the Reloaded. I can't yeah, wait. Equal the- <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Also, for people who haven't actually watched it, it looks just like the Matrix. It's just the fucking <laughs> Matrix. It's just it the Matrix. Does, yeah. Yeah. Kind oh, of. Oh man. Okay. Ugh. I think now that we've talked about enough science, mm-hmm. we absolutely need to fucking talk about Gunkata. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking. I have the. I have the quote from the movie. Oh my god. Of the the voiceover that the guy is saying when he is describing Gunkata. Yeah, I want. I want you to read it to our listeners, please. Okay, okay, listeners, get ready. Okay. Uh, this is Angus McFadden's character describing the fictional fighting style Gunkata. He says. Through analysis of thousands of recorded gunfights, the cleric has determined that the geometric distribution of antagonists in any gun battle is a statistically predictable event. The gun kata treats the gun as a total weapon, each fluid position representing a maximum kill zone inflicting maximum damage on the maximum number of opponents, while keeping the defender clear of the statistically traditional trajectories of return fire. By the ro- <laughs> by the rote mastery of this art, your firing efficiency will rise by no less than 120%. The 
the difference of a 63% increased lethal, lethal proficiency makes the master of the gun katas an adversary not to be taken lightly. Jesus. So that's a bunch of garbage, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's I absolutely remember he was saying that in the stupid. movie, and I was like, fuck, I wish I had a notebook, so I was writing this down. He's, yeah. like, blowing through this so fast. But the summary is that they basically say... We used statistical analysis of gunfights in order to determine where the bullets are going to go, which is like which is ridiculous. the dumbest thing ever. It's so ridiculous. Also, I was watching this with, with our patron, Zach Cope, and Zach pointed out, like, yeah, like, do they just have recorded footage of a bunch of gunfights? And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good point. <laughs> like, what are they fucking analyzing, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, mean, I just had to, I had to say that I had to talk about gun content. No, we should. It seems to be about the optimization of to give it any sort of credit. What they seem to be doing was to be looking at the angles at which bullets were both released and intaken by you know by the you know the subject in question. And I maybe you could create some sort of uh probability within a certain range of a given angle that the bullet is going to be released from this angle and incoming from this angle but at the same time you also can't account for the angle of your opponent because yes that's going to differ and that's the that's the x here that's going to change on a regular basis as to where your enemy is so I- I also want to make it explicitly clear too that if they're doing all of this on statistics, then these all of these are based on percentages. The number of clerics who would be fucking murdered by people wielding guns would be astronomical. Yeah, yeah, right. Like just saying that, like, oh, like you've decreased your statistical probability of being hit. Cool. Doesn't mean that you're not going to fucking get hit. Yeah. <laughs> if like, you're in a room with 15 people all wielding automatic weapons firing in one area and they're all surrounding you in a circle, you're going to die. Your statistical yeah. probability of survival can be still be 5%, but it's still fucking 5%. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's also the thing with this. Like, I could. I mean, if we're really playing devil's advocate and giving them the benefit of the doubt, or not playing, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt, I could see that, like, maybe if everybody was just using one handgun or something like that, like, you could maybe say, like, people generally stand in this position and point in this direction. But, like, if you have a, a fucking automatic machine gun and someone is standing in front of you, you're going to hit them with the bullets. Like, you're shooting so yeah. many fucking bullets out of the gun. It's crazy. The, the one thing that I that I would buy, too, if we're... If, I'll play devil's advocate with you here, uh, also, is that... Uh, so, uh, Wimmer, or Vimmer, I'm sorry, I don't know how his name is pronounced, but the, the one of the writers of the movie, Kurt Vimmer, I assume, uh, mm-hmm explained in a couple of interviews about how gun kata works and about what they did within the movie and one of the things is that this is there's an idea that like the cleric is supposed to dodge in a way that like when people fire at them they are more likely to hit their opponents as well thus reducing the number of combatants but what we actually see in the fucking movie especially in the opening scene is christian bale fucking power sliding onto a door and in the middle of a room where he is the only person who is well lit for a solid three seconds while surrounded by people firing guns at him and then he stands perfectly still while aiming in multiple directions around in a circle shooting a bunch of people and he takes zero damage yes exactly and even it's funny because the dodging bullet is literally even more like the matrix it's just yes like yeah fucking, 
<laughs> Wait, this is the, oh my god, guys. Equilibrium is Matrix Reloaded. Oh fuck, you're right. What oh, it sh- what it should have been. What, what a twist. Well, then what is the Matrix Reloaded? Hot a, garbage. Hot gar- <laughs> yeah, it's it's horrific. It's a terrible movie. I fucking hate Reloaded. Go watch John Wick instead. Oh, yeah, hey, guys, don't everyone listening, don't watch any of these movies. Just go watch John Wick. They're, all of those movies no, are better. Watch Equilibrium and then listen to the episode. Oh, yeah. Well, John Wick, well you could just yeah. listen to the episode and then go watch John Wick. Like, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. if you listen to the episode, I don't give a fuck what you watch. <laughs> oh, tell your friends. Tell your friends to listen to this episode and also to watch John Wick. That's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely right. good. A good plan of action. Let's, we got to stop talking about The Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. It doesn't deserve our critiques. You're right. All right. Well, we'll talk about it. But you, you know what does deserve our critiques? What's that? The movie Equilibrium. Oh shit! Before we actually say our ratings, I have a really short new segment that I want to introduce onto the show. Please, Sean, lay it on us. I was saving it till now because it has to do with just the fucking movie statistics. So. You guys know Rotten Tomatoes, right? I'm familiar. <laughs> you know, your old friend, Rotten Tomatoes. Have you ever uh, scrolled all the way down on the page for the movie? Oh, no, I not for so this movie. So if you go to the bottom, under all the critiques, there's okay. a section called quotes. And oh, it's got no. four quotes from any movie that okay. you're looking at. All right. Okay. And I want to read the four quotes... For the movie Equilibrium. Okay, this is a please, good segment. Please do. I like please. this. <laughs> okay. The first quote is by John Preston. I pay gladly. Yeah. That's I the mean, quote. He does, <laughs> okay. he does right. say that a lot in the film, but the context yeah. is really important <laughs> to, so, to that quote. Oh, if you want to talk about context, why don't, why don't you hear the next quote? Okay. Which is from Preston's wife, who literally doesn't even have a name because she's like well, she's in dead, a flashback. Right? So, yeah. The quote is, remember me. End of quote. Just <laughs> remember me? It's remember That's me. That's very good. That's These not impactful at all. Now, hold on. Now, we got a real good one from Robbie Preston, which okay. I believe is John Preston's son. Yes. Mm-hmm. Stop that. What? That's that's the quote <laughs> from Robbie Preston. Stop that? On Rotten Tomatoes. Wait, is that what his sister is like website. splashing fucking cereal out onto the table? <laughs> fucking, I don't even, like, so those are the top the top three quotes that are listed. Um, okay. And then I'm going to read the fourth one just because I said there were four. It's a little, little better, but not really. So this is uh, DuPont, who is, I guess, the guy who's fucking in charge of the um, clerics. Saying to John Preston, DuPont says, do you have a family? And John Preston responds, yes, a boy and a girl. The boy's in the monastery who is studying to become a cleric. That's just something that was <laughs> happening. And you're like, okay, these aren't quotable. None I don't understand. None of these are meaningful. The Not a single one are mean- is meaningful. <laughs> so um, when, when Rotten Tomatoes thought we should put a quote section in, they literally were like, why don't we just take a random line of script from the movie and just put it on here? <laughs> So I hope you guys look forward to our new segment, which will be happening in they every They must not have show. watched the movie, which is a shame, because it was That's, a good movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So we can do the ratings now, <laughs> but I just I, I had to read those. I appreciated that. Those were good. Uh, oh, since I've been bad. talking, I think one of you guys should do the ratings. Kenan. Yeah, I can do that. I 
I definitely thought I pay it gladly was going to be from like something else. Like maybe it was going to be a William Butler Yeats quote, but it's not. If you just Google, I pay it gladly. It's nothing but equilibrium up and down. <laughs> anyway, oh. I thought this movie was fucking ridiculous, but I really enjoyed watching it because it tickled the like stupid, dumb action part of my brain. But if we're going to talk about science, I'm going to give it a... It's a toughie, right? Yeah, I'm going to give it a one out of 10. Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm going to give it a two out of 10, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give it a two out of 10. Yeah. Because it's not, the science in it was garbage, but it wasn't the worst possible garbage. Um, They kind of like took a concept and ran with it, no matter what that concept was. Uh, And so, like, I can't really fault it too much because it it only borders on science fiction. It's more dystopian fiction. Um, But as far as the movie goes, I guess I'm going to give it a seven out of 10 uh, because it does tickle that dumb action part of my brain. But also at the same time, it is just kind of stupid. Yeah. I think right. those are some good writings. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I feel good. Um, hey, I feel I, I feel good about I'll those ratings, go, guys. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel good. <laughs> about... <laughs> Sorry, Kenan. It feels good. No, you're fine. You feel good about those. <laughs> I feel, huh? feel good. Uh, Kenan, wait, Kenan. <laughs> Kenan, how do you feel about those fucking ratings? Kenan. I feel like I did it, guys. Okay, okay good. good. I'm very happy for you. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna do mine real quick. <laughs> no, I'm going to do mine real quick. You know, I'm just doing mine real quick because mine are the exact same ratings as Ken, and I thought about my numbers, and they're the exact same. So I also gave it a 2 out of 10. My reasoning was that, like, for science. I think the concept of, for science, a 2 out of 10, for mood suppression, like, I think it is feasible to ha- make people somewhat emotionally suppressed, not to the level that the movie is claiming, like, at all. So I'm going to give them a little point of science on like that being a feasible thing that could potentially be done to a lesser extreme. And then the gun caught is just complete fake news. So they get a two out of 10. And then I'm giving it a seven out of 10 in the movie because it it's like a bad movie, but not really like it's bad, but entertaining, which are kind of my favorite types of movies. So I liked it. Sean, uh-huh. I'm reading the rest of these quotes. Oh, oh did you click on more quotes? <laughs> I think my favorite one, and it's a whole standalone quote, is, and the disease is human emotion. <laughs> that's... See, that's the best one so far. Fuck. The thing is, at least that, that is like, oh yeah, Equilibrium. That's like a quote from the movie Equilibrium. Right, but you wouldn't Not put that on the stop fucking that. box. <laughs> and the disease is human emotion. I think, hey, Ron Tomatoes, I think... get your shit together. You think they would just not put the word end there? Just say, like, the disease is human emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote down a quote from the beginning of the movie that I think is better than all of those, and that was, uh, let's see, hold on. Yeah, this. Oh, was it? It was, uh, therefore, a new arm of the law was created to get rid of what makes humanity inhuman, the ability to feel. Like, that's a good so, quote. What, what, yeah, about, good. what about this one, though, Pace? Okay. Remember me. Yeah, that's a, a shit quote. <laughs> That's from Titanic. That's from a lot of things, probably. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to rate this movie. All right, Pace, rate this bitch. I'm going to give the science a two out of five. Um, and that is because I want to go back to the five-point rating scale. I'm going to give it a Stop two it. out a two. Don't I know, fucking do this. A two out of five. Um, and that is because I just simply liked the... Uh, I liked the scientific premise of the film, and that was simply... Like the idea 
of a society based upon the idea of, or based upon the, the, the construct in which humans don't feel emotion. And they, they actually did try to at least, uh, like formulate some sort of framework in which that might happen. Uh, I still think they're a little off with, you know, how feasible that would, would actually be to carry out, but there are, you know, ways in which you can alter human emotion and suppress it. Uh, kind of what Sean was saying. So I'm still going to give him that. I don't think it was a one out of five. We've had one out of five movies, guys, before. And hey, those have been movies without took, any science. It took me a year to get Kenan to switch to the fucking 10-point scale. And you're going to do me like this? Oh. You're not just going to stick to the okay. goddamn 10-point scale? I will give it a three out of 10, Sean. Oh, it's um, a long it's a you. long con. I've only switched to the 10-point scale for very specific reasons. Because it's a better scale. No, it's a worse scale. It doesn't make any sense. You, that's too many numbers. You don't need that. I mean, no, yeah, it's great. <laughs> okay, um, good, good, good. As for entertainment, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, because I thought this movie took a very simple idea, a simple concept, and it executed it well, it finished it well, and it didn't drag its feet. This movie is an hour and 47 minutes long. It wasn't overdone. Uh, I actually think that Christian Bale did a really good job of initially kind of portraying that sort of uh, heartless, ruthless killer and then going throughout the film and revealing the very just sort of slightest sort of twitches in his facial movements, his his body language that re- like that suggested of his newfound ability to feel. I thought the acting was yeah. really good from that perspective. Yeah. yeah. Um, and everything everything in the every scene in the movie I felt served a purpose um and I was very very enthralled by it the whole time and uh this is the, one of the first movies that I've watched in a long time for our show where I haven't been annoyed at watching it <laughs> so wow. like was this the movie that Christian Bale had that fucking freak out on set <laughs> while they were filming you guys know what I'm talking about right you've oh, seen where that he video, yelled at the right? lighting guy yeah, he yells at the lightning guy for like 10 minutes. No, I think that was during one of the Batman filmings. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, okay. I think. We'll find out Just later, wondering. Sean. Yeah. Just wondering. No, it, However, was during, it was during Terminator. It was during the Terminator Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Pace, I agree. I This movie was much more refreshing than Zodiac because like it was an hour l- less movie and still like, you know, a cohesive good movie. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, At this point, I feel like we had to jump to a listener question. Do you guys mind if I do a real quick segment? I don't want to. Oh, not at all, Ken. Please. Oh, what's the episode of segments? Huh. Yeah. It's. I. I only mention this because I feel like I feel like we don't give the advertising for some of these movies enough of a a shine enough of a light on them. But if if it's okay, I'd like to read the tagline for this movie for you guys. Okay. Please. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear it. In a future where freedom is outlawed. Outlaws will become heroes. <laughs> is is that the is that the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, do you want me to read it again? Did it not? No, I didn't <laughs> <Okay. work? laughs> I mean, it's cheesy as fuck. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. It's it's cliche. <sighs> it's it's um. Hold on. Let, hold on. Can you can you hold on? I, I want to read it in a different voice. Okay. Do it. I want to. Okay. I don't remember. The, I don't remember it exactly. But okay. I know. I got it. I got it. Okay. In a world where freedom is outlawed, the outlaws will become the heroes. That was pretty close. Sean. Oh, Sean, All do you right, want to do how it? How about I do it? I do it. Yeah, too. Sean, okay. go for it. 
in a future <laughs> where, <laughs> where freedom is outlawed. Outlaws will become the heroes. <laughs> no, that's the best one. We got it in one. Damn it, so, so you would watch that. That's the good one. All right, thank you for that. Now now that we've done that, thank you, Kenan, for that new segment. <laughs> um, I like it. We have two questions from uh, Anthony Martinez on Twitter, friend of the show. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. Um, Thanks, Anthony. The first one, why is Gunkata the worst thing to happen to action movies ever? <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, swooping in with the fucking support. Anthony, I'll fucking tell you why it's the worst thing ever. Because all action movies do this already. They just don't try and justify it with some bullshit. <laughs> they just say, like, he's really fucking good at guns. And they just yeah, do it. He's just good with guns. <laughs> yeah. All I gotta do is be like, yeah, Christian Bale's our top cleric because he's great with fucking guns. And, like, that's it. Yeah, that's all you need. Good. He can shoot good. Yeah, he uh, when when he shoots at people, he's better than them. <laughs> I forgot like, that they're also martial artists with swords. They do like, both. Literally yeah. every other action movie does this without having to justify it. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like true. you never ask why Arnold Schwarzenegger is good at killing people. You're just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, he's fucking on top of it, you know? Like, why is Bruce Willis better at killing people than literally everyone else even though he's a fucking cop from New York? He just yeah. is. He just, just is. is. It's because he makes balls with his feet when he gets off planes. And he's well makes him really good at killing. That's exactly right. <laughs> gets him over jet lag. <laughs> yeah, no, Anthony, great fucking point. Just like fucking be good at guns and you're good yeah, at an action at guns. movie. <laughs> um, okay, I think that's, I think we'll move on to his next question, which is um, if, if you were taking mood suppressant drugs or uh, mood stabilizing drugs, what, what would motivate you to do anything? If you have no feeling one way or the other, wouldn't you just lay on the floor waiting for death? And I think this question is a good point and something we were getting at, which is that if you were truly had every emotion suppressed, then we wouldn't have been seeing a lot of the exhibited reactions to things yeah. in the film. Yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah, like you, if you were emotionally devoid, maybe you would seek out food and shelter and water, and that's yeah. it, you know? You probably wouldn't want to seek out social interaction with other humans, right? Yeah. Why would you have you kids? Yeah, you would You would not care about really anything besides your life, your life I guess? I guess, I like, mean, if that. If we were to ascribe... So if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, if someone mm -hmm. had been raised under the lack of emotions and everything you told them about why they do something is like under the guise of furthering society without any sort of payoff to themselves other than the fact that they're doing what should be done. Then maybe like that, like I could actually see the motivations from John Preston's standpoint more than I can see. Like, I don't know a fucking tailor that like, right. lives, that like yeah. lives in the world. So like the guy who makes the the synthetic gorp that everybody eats yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <right. Like, laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I just make the gorp. That's what I do. That's what I do. That's hey, my livelihood. I'm, I'm gorp. Do you the get gorp a lot of fulfillment? Maker. What is fulfillment? I make gorp. Yeah. I, I am gorp. I am gorp. I am. I feel gorp. like they do eat like a pill, right? Do they eat like a food pill? I don't remember. No, because she was eating like there fucking... There was a cereal scene. Yeah, she was eating like fucking Cocoa Pebbles earlier on. 
Definitely Cocoa Puffs, I think, is what those were. It was possibly Puffs, you're right. It'd Definitely be great puffs. if the box just said cereal, just a white box that says <laughs> cereal. Yeah, cereal in like 12-point aerial black font on a white cereal box just yeah no no no. i imagining i'm imagining the the demigod like character on the front of the box with just like he's holding a bowl and it's just father's cocoa nothings (laughs) (laughs) and his face is just expressionless just exactly father's cocoa nothings he's he's holding the spoon up over the bowl and he's just ready to dig in but 100 percent. fathers feel fathers feel no more fathers feel no (laughs) more i think o is big because it's a fucking (laughs) if you're asking whether or not the milk gets chocolatey it fucking doesn't it it doesn't of course not the chocolate just still fades out of the cereal but it doesn't go it's just brown food coloring (laughs) Mm -hmm. 100 percent. there's no flavor no All flavor. Right. It just um, tastes like despair. It just tastes like despair. Well, this has been a really good episode of of, of our program, guys. Well, I think. I've actually got another question if you guys are, are, are here. Oh, please. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I love questions. I feel really good about the fact that we got an Instagram question this week. Um, Hell yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, Nicely yeah, yeah, yeah. done. Kevin, that's all you, man. That's all you. So, friend of the podcast, Michael Crossan, uh, MD Crossan77 oh, on Instagram, asked us a question. He said, I love this movie. Here's my question. Can you slice a guy's face off with a sword? <laughs> that does happen. I forgot about that. I mean, that strike is going through some of the strongest bones in the body, jaw and skull. You would expect some blunt force reaction. <laughs> a, yeah, I mean, like, you would need the world's sharpest fucking sword to cut the front of somebody's face off. I'm going to say, unequivocally, the sword that he uses in this movie Fuck no, you could not slice a face off with yeah, the sword. Yeah, no. Agreed. If you had like a fucking like, you know, a two-handed great sword, maybe. But with the fucking katana that Christian Bale has, there's no yeah, way. Yeah, 100%. Like a large number of uh swords in general would not allow you to slice through those type of bones at no. all. Yeah, like you would hit the bone and kill them still probably, but like you're not gonna slice the fucking front of their face off with a katana. Never mind that like there have been a historical number of accounts and come at me and I will throw some at you of people who have tried to cut off heads in like summary execution style with axes and had to go through several hackings. And these yep, are weapons right. that are like specifically weighted for removing a human head. Whereas a katana is supposed to be quick, clean cuts, stabbing motions, that type of things. Like you're not gonna cut through a human skull and jawbone in order to murder Tay Diggs. Yeah, no, that's a re- really good point. Like, it was one of those things where it was like, wouldn't it be so cool if Christian Bale just cut this guy's face off? And it's like, yeah, it would be, but not realistic. And it was <laughs> cool. It was It cool. was cool. I will say the least believable part was, though, specifically that Tay Diggs was felled with a single stroke. I don't believe that at all. No, not at all. No. Tay Diggs would That never actually was probably one of the most it. anticlimactic moments in the whole movie whenever he goes down with a single sword stroke. Yeah. Right? You anticipate... I mean, they had their fight in the middle of the film where they sort of exchanged blows and words and what clearly looked like emotions. Um, but uh, at the end, yeah, he just... It just uh, that, that last fight was like 30 seconds long. I know. Took yeah. Zero time. It's like they were in a rush I, to finish it. This man helped Stella get, his, get her groove back. There's no way. <laughs> that final fight also was the typical, like... Let's just have eight guys with swords fight one guy with a sword and he just fucking like wrecks them yeah. all. Like it was like it was like a classic like 
James Bond style where the villain is like standing in the room like, mm, you thought you've got me, but here are my 18 hidden swords of it. And they just yeah, pop out. Course. and You're like, why are you in the room, dude? Yeah. You have like an entire society shrouded in secrecy. Why would you bring him in there? Right. Oh, and surprise. I'm also very good at the gun kata as well. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking so. I was that reading was an interview. Cla- that was like, ugh, go again. No, I was going to say, I was reading an interview with Kurt Vimmer about that last scene, too. And apparently, the like hand to hand technique that they do at the end of this film um, with, uh, uh, what's his name? Angus McFadian uh, uh, is a result of the fact that they tried to do something different and crazier and couldn't get it done during filming. So they're like, fuck it. Let's just do this like Wing Chun sticky hands technique where we're like, they're batting the gun out of each other's hands while they're firing bullets around each other. <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was, it was very much <laughs> was a sort something. of like Luke Skywalker approaches Darth Sidious moment. Agreed. In the film, uh, or even I guess it would be like Darth Vader approaching Darth Sidious moment. But ignore me making Star Wars references. Please move on. Yeah, what a big nerd. Do we want to wrap this bad boy up? Oh <laughs> right, yeah, let's do it. Let's wrap it up. Let's fucking do it. This was a good episode, you... Pace. I agree with what you said earlier before we started bitching about this movie. Thank you. Can you know what you should do, yes, sir? You should thank our patrons. I want to thank a lot of our patrons. I want to thank all of our patrons for doing what they do because, quite honestly, you keep this afloat. Um, and if you didn't listen and if you didn't give us that sweet, sweet money, we would not survive these mean streets of podcasting. Um, I also want to specifically thank uh, one of our newest patrons, uh, Kelly McArdle, who also suggested a movie for us to watch next time. Oh, she well. did. Kenan, what's the movie? Don't keep me she in suspense. Did. Oh, I would never do that. We are going to be watching the 1976 fantasy action movie, Logan's Run, starring Whoa. a bunch of people who were dead by the time you started watching movies. <laughs> starring Logan as Logan. <laughs> and Run as where Logan goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to watch it, That's and we're going to talk about dumb. aging, and we're, I assume talk about, you know, the 70s and how good they were. The 70s aging and eugenics, I guess. And eugenics, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 100%. So if you have any questions about eugenics specifically, I'm sure we'll very tenuously answer them on the next episode, or any other science. Um, and Pace... Do you think you could tell the good listeners where they can reach us to do that? Yes. Uh, I'm just really excited to po- talk about eugenics. Sorry, I'm trying to curb my excitement. Um, <laughs> weird. Weird. The <laughs> zoinks. It's strange, isn't it? The uh, You can find us uh, on various social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, search for at Real Science Cast, the Real Science Cast. Uh, you can also contact us via email, realsciencecast at gmail.com. Uh, and that's where you should send all of your various questions or comments about us and the show and things that you would like to know about the scientific world that you're unaware of, and we will answer them for you. Great. Oh, yeah. That's so accurate. Do I have yeah, to say anything? I don't is. think so. <laughs> yeah, Sean, uh, why don't you... We're really fucking playing it fast and lose with this wrap-up, aren't we? Just like fucking... We're, we're fucking recording really late the night before we have to release this goddamn episode and I have to edit it later, so... Sean would like to thank uh, Otis McDonald for the use of our the, the song Third Eye Blimp as the intro and outro to our show. I would That's love right. to do that. Thanks, Sean. Also, thanks to all of our listeners for listening because it really does mean a lot. And I it does. think we that's everything, you. right? 
Yeah, it actually does yeah. mean a ton. I was in lab today, and somebody mentioned that they had started listening to our, our show, and it actually made it, it made my heart swell six times its normal size. Someone told me that uh, I have the best sounding voice, and I I love them. Interesting. I don't even know who they are because they told Pace, and Pace told me. But, That's really well, interesting, considering I think Pace has the best sounding voice out of the three of us. Not I according to that, the Kenan. fans, Kenan. I well, uh, Sean, I I'm not sure how genuine this comment was, but I think you should take it and run with it. For wait, are worth, you telling so. me? Wait, stop, stop. What, what are Anyways, you saying, guys? <laughs> I think we've had a great episode this week. My name is Kenan Smith. My name is. Hold on, hold on. I need to do this for the listeners. Okay. My name is Sean Crossan. <laughs> and my name is Michael Pace. You don't need one. good science to make a good movie. <laughs> but it sure it, makes hey, Sean hey, sound sexier. In a world where science is not needed to make a good movie, you get the real science cast. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, but it's what you're stuck with. Hey, I got an email about a Patreon login attempt. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, <laughs> hop over and verify it real quick. Okay. Hey. All right. Someone has requested Why am I to verify out a device happening? for your Patreon account. Verify Details. your device. Uh. Your ISP 2606 colon A 000 colon 475 colon 4400. One zero colon eighteen fifty eight colon VF AF nine nine colon seventy four F forty four. This is hell. This is my own personal hell. <laughs> Good. Welcome. Welcome.